Hello, welcome to the TMR podcast. Each month or so, we'll be looking at the CanLit publishing scene and interviewing an interesting author. So sit back, relax, put down that book you're reading, and no dog earring, and listen to the TMR podcast. Hi, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8, a.k.a. the Spring Equinox 2022 episode of the TMR Podcast. So coming up in just a few moments, I'm going to have a conversation with Nicola Davison, author of the new novel being released this week, Decoding Dot Gray. So stick around. Our guest author, Nicola Davison, is a professional photographer and the author of In the Wake and Decoding Dot Gray. Her first novel won the 2019 Margaret and John Savage book, First Book Award, the Miramichi Reader's Very Best Book Award for fiction, and was a finalist for the Dartmouth Book Award. Nicola is a member of the Writers' Union of Canada and the Writers' Federation of Nova Scotia, where she completed the Alistair MacLeod Mentorship Program polishing off the umpteenth draft of her first novel with her mentor, Carol Bruno. Born in Nova Scotia, she has lived in too many places and done just enough world traveling to appreciate home. She now lives in Dartmouth with her boat-crazy family and delightfully stubborn basset hound, Jersey May. So welcome to Nicola Davison. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be invited. Just going back to your bio there, uh, boat crazy family. So do you have, do you have more than one boat? Uh, no, <laughs> we've had several boats over the years. Uh, my husband is now part owner in a sailboat. So he owns, you know, the bow and the other guy owns the stern. <laughs> <laughs> but my son who is 11 and he's now into it as well. Uh, so they're both sailors and um, so was my dad and so is my brother-in-law and so is my nephew. Oh, so uh, I'm surrounded by them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of, uh, that sort of was reflected in, in the wake. There was a sailboat. Um, there's one scene there where, um, are you on the, uh, where was it on the? Uh, in the Halifax Harbor. Yeah. in the Halifax Harbor where it comes awfully close to, uh, an incident there so yes. I guess part of that's a bit of a lived experience would you say yes uh, there have been a lot of um, experiences not just my own but other people talking about their experiences but I often experience a lot of anxiety when I'm out sailing so it was pretty simple to access that for me yes. and uh, yeah so threading together a, a number of things that could go wrong was was pretty pretty easy <laughs> okay. Now the other part of that uh, book was uh, the couple move uh, with their uh, with their young son back from out west, mm-hmm. and that was part of your experience as well too. Like you like mentioned, you lived in too many places, mm-hmm. and do uh, appreciate home. So this couple moves back home, and in the in in the book, and so they they have this house. They acquire this house, which has a sort of presence in itself, and there's a lot of some strange things going on there. And uh, it was just a wonderful book. And like I mentioned in my review, there's kind of an, 
an even strain of suspense through the whole novel, which I thought was quite great. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few climaxes in the book, I must say, but I mean, there's the ultimate one near the end, but it was a, a, for a first book, it was, it was a great read, great read. Lovely. I really enjoy hearing that there is that, that sustained suspense throughout. That was what I was hoping for. And um, growing up in Nova Scotia, I, I babysat a couple of times in places that were haunted mm. or said to be haunted. So um, I wanted to have that as a possibility with the house. And I think that I've left it open for the reader to interpret exactly what's happening. But I can remember being in a house as a teenager and having the hair just stand up on the back of my neck with, you know, the prospect of some presence being yeah. there. and I really liked that I, so I wanted that to be part of the story yeah, yeah great yeah. now so you had a great mentor and Carol Bruno um, yes yes uh, did you know her before this I did not no okay. I, I was really lucky in that Carol is an accomplished writer and a teacher and uh, so she took that very messy manuscript and helped me start setting the pace of it because um i you know your first book you you write it all you know what the story is you have you have it all but you don't know where to start cutting yeah so but i was pretty paranoid about just giving her the whole manuscript in the beginning so we agreed that what i would do is i would send it to her in these chunks so we worked through the novel kind of 75 pages at a time thereabouts maybe a little bit less and Carol would read it and critique it and I would fix things and send it back to her and then we would sit and talk. We would usually get together at the Halifax Public Library, you know, pre-COVID and yeah. have a, a nice coffee and just gossip about the characters like they were real people. And she would ask me probing questions and I would go back and, and do some more work on it. So it was a really comfortable process and I really, I really trusted Carol. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And she was a gentle critique as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can imagine. I, I don't I don't picture her be having any kind of uh, rough edges to her or anything like that. No. She seems to be I'm, like I've never talked to her. Maybe I can get her on here someday, but uh, it'd be nice to speak to her actually in person. It'd be great. But uh, OK, back to you now anyway. So um, so your new novel, Decoding Dot Gray. Uh, I did, I read the uh, advanced reading copy, the art. Uh, Ian Colford is actually going to be reviewing it for uh, the Miramichi reader, which is great. He uh, it was something he volunteered to do it. So I'm sure he could do uh, a great job and he will do a great job. But I wanted to read it for myself, of course. I really liked it, but it's, it's a different book than In the Wake. Um, would you describe it as a young adult kind of book did you write it for that market because it centers around an 18 year old girl I believe right that's right I know I, I did not have a genre in mind when the story came to me um, when I pitched it to Nimbus they they said that she's 18 and it fits really nicely in this new category called new adult fiction mm. which is really that age group when you've just left home and you're you're learning to be an adult you're getting your feet wet in the world. Um, so we, that's kind of the, the category that we're going for, but 
uh, a lot of teenagers tend to read up, as they say. They they don't want to read about someone that's younger than themselves. Mm -hmm. They want to read about kind of the next stage of life. So yeah. So we've we've put it in the category of young adult, but sort of fourteen plus, because it does deal with some darker themes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But no, I didn't. I didn't think about that when I was writing it. I was um, the character came to me and the struggles that I knew she would be going through with working in an animal shelter and her mother being um, in, uh, in an unconscious state. I'm, I'm not sure what the, the right uh, medical term is for it these days, but she is unresponsive. And uh, so this is, this is the, the thing that she's dealing with is being out in the world for the first time and her mother who has been her best friend until now is no longer accessible to her. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't want to, um, just because of spoilers, I didn't really want to go into mm -hmm. um, what the book is all about. But mm -hmm. yeah, so you mentioned, um, like she is a young adult. She's not currently attending university or college. She's working in an animal shelter. It's 1997. Is that right? Around then? That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the various people that she works with and the various people who bring in pets and who adopt pets too, and the various things that happen to them. And there's a, there's one where they try to uh, rescue some dogs that they know are being abused, uh, which uh, has a little suspense and a little bit of thriller into that uh, part of it, but that's not the main part of the book. It, it really, um, uh, I could say it's a page turner. That's for sure. It was. Okay. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I liked the characters, well, except for the guy who was abusing the dogs. But mm -hmm. um, it's a great, a great story. But like I said, it's different than in the wake. Like you said, for the new adult category, so yeah. it's probably a good fit. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a coming of age story, and and since um, realizing that's what it was, I've come to realize that that is the kind of thing that I often gravitate to both as a reader and watching films, a lot of them tend to be that sort of, you know, making your way in the world story. So mm -hmm. I was trying to write the book that, that I wanted to read. So, and, and I also was taking the advice of writing the book that only you can write from your own experiences. So it was one where I, I sat down and I made a list of, of things that have happened to me and, and, uh, and things that I enjoy as a reader and a writer and came up with kind of the, the general shape of the story. Right. Yeah. Now, and uh, you mentioned at the back of the book that you uh, did work in an animal shelter at one time. I did, yeah. Um, and this was uh, before there was a lot of uh, regulations around, uh, regarding pets and um, something to that effect anyways. Is that my correct well, there? Yes, I mean, initially I had, I was going to set the, the story uh, around, you know, 2015, 2016, and uh, I made an appointment to go and tour the local shelter, and I, and it was the shelter where I had worked, mm. and I was so impressed with all the changes they had made that I realized that my story could not take place in mm. present day, yeah. which, which cheered me up but also sent me right back into revising right away <laughs> and changing the book substantially. So, uh, yeah. So I thought it was important to put that note in the book that this is not a story, but what is happening today. We're, we're improving all the time. Right. 
And it would be better if we didn't need these things because we do have a number of different kinds of animal shelters and they're, they're all busy. So, you know, we haven't solved everything. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Which kind of uh, brings me to another point that I've noticed that with a lot of books, like, like you said, it couldn't have been written uh, in a more recent year. And the other thing is the technology is totally different from 1997 until, Mm -hmm. until now. So uh, she carries a pager with her. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any mention of any kind of flip phone or, any, or maybe your father carries a phone. Your father right? has one of the early flip phones. Yes. At the time. Yeah. So she carries a pager because she doesn't want a phone and she doesn't have a phone at home. And mm-hmm. she really wants to be independent. But of course, her, her father, you know, worries about her. He's like a helicopter parent, sort of, but well, worrying about her more because she's moved out of home and, and wanted to move out of home. But uh, again, with the te- the technology, to sort of taken out of the story, you can, you have a lot more, a lot more can happen. You can't just like when they're trying to uh, break in and free those dogs, you can't have, uh, you know, someone waiting with, by, with a cell phone, you know, to get the car running and we're coming yeah. and all this stuff. So. Yes. You can't call the police and have them show up immediately. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah, for, for a writer, it gives you a lot more opportunity to, mm-hmm. to go back and, and not have those to lean on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Initially, she was going to be doing a lot of texting, but um, because, of course, the decoding dot gray being the title, she is she loves Morse code, and that's what she uses as her own little language with her mother. Um, and there aren't very many people who would recognize what she's doing, but um, she does meet somebody in the story who picks up a little bit of what she she's doing. Right. She's fluttering with her fingers and so on, and tapping on things. Yeah. So where, where did that little idea come from, the Morse code? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure where it came from initially, but um, in the last few years, I don't know how long it's been, but all the kids at school started getting these fidget spinners. Hmm. And there were a lot of kids that have a hard time sitting still. And it just made sense to me that somebody who's anxious, and I'm, I'm somebody who's anxious too. I, it's not that I have a hard time sitting still, but I'm always kind of doing something with my hands. Uh, especially when I'm in a, in a, you know, a public speaking situation or, you know, talking to a group of people, I have a really hard time just holding it in. So uh, that was going to be her outlet, her mother. um, And I, and I go into it in the book and the history, there's a history of Morse code in their family. Mm -hmm. Now, the funny thing is I'm, I'm a friend of uh, Sarah Sollers is another author here locally. And I was uh, probably two thirds into my second draft of the book and we were chatting about it and I was telling her about my main character and she said isn't that funny my grandfather used to do that at bedtime he would tap morse code on the wall and I would have to figure out what it was (laughs) and I thought that's crazy that you know that I just thought that this was my imagination but um yeah yeah, people have done it so yeah 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 it's it's not a stretch to uh to think mm-hmm. there's, you know, people that do, do know that or did know that at one time and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, sort of an extension maybe from uh, wartime service and uh, things like that. So it adds another little dimension to, uh, to Dot Gray. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, with her, with her mother too, there's a connection there, like you spent, like you mentioned. Um, 
So there's there's a few different layers going on in the book. And of course, really her, like name, her name being Dot as well. And her dad likes to call her Spec. So yes. We're, we're always <laughs> playing with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so now that we've sort of discussed uh, both your books, uh, do you have a work in progress or you just do. relax? You do? Yeah. I, I have a novel that I wrote a few years ago during NaNoWriMo, and it's been sitting there gathering dust for a while. Um, and it's, it's a tricky one because it involves a little bit of time travel. Hmm. So the, it, there are so many possibilities when you have time travel, yes. <laughs> you know, so I had, I had a hard time kind of reining it in. So I've been working on that. And, uh, so that one is set in Cape Breton. Uh, the main character is, uh, from New York and ends up owning this little abandoned house in Cape Breton. And when she moves there, she discovers that it's an unusual place with a sad history. Mm. So um, I can read you a little bit of what I have for, um, for the, the pitch for that one, if you're interested. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead, please. So it's a 24-year-old Morgan is a free spirit who likes to live in the moment. She dreams of traveling the world much like her mother, the successful self-help author and darling of the American talk show circuit. But she's not her mother. Barely graduating from high school, Morgan drifts from job to job, wondering if she's good at anything. Add to that her history of blacking out for no discernible medical reason, and it makes it hard for her to plan a future. When she starts dating Mark, a Wall Street trader, he asks her to do him an odd favor put her name on an old house he's buying in Nova Scotia. It saves him some extra paperwork as she's a Canadian citizen, so she agrees. When Mark is killed, mere months later, she finds herself the bona fide owner of a house on Cape Breton Island. Thinking she'll fix it up and sell it so she can finally go traveling, she's deflated when she sees the neglected state it's in. But she soon finds a local carpenter, Duncan, who helps her fix up the house at a bargain price. Over the weeks they work together, they become a couple, but people in the area know the house as the place a small boy disappeared in the 50s, the mother going mad from his loss. Teenagers claim that voices are heard in the place and a strange woman wanders the house. Morgan brushes those tales aside as local lore until the day the Irish wolfhound shows up and her boyfriend, Duncan, disappears so that's mm. that's actually a little bit of the beginning of the story okay good. and i wrote that to kind of rein myself in <laughs> <laughs> yeah so is there a working title uh losing time losing time okay yeah great i'm sure it will change over and over again yeah so gray was originally called no shelter so oh. you never know where you're going to land yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, nice you have a dog in there. It's always good to have a dog in a book. Of course, yeah. yeah that will always get my attention. Dog or a cat. Or you have a crow. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the more but, animals, um, the better. The more animals, the better. Oh, yes. Yeah. So when it was in an animal shelter, it's like, you know, oh, uh, I love that idea uh, of, of helping animals. So, um it's probably going to be, we're looking at next year for this book. 
I'm oh assuming. yeah, uh, it will probably be. It's it's usually a year and a half from when you sign yeah. your contract, so a couple of years. Okay, twenty twenty four maybe. Maybe yeah. Okay. Um. Well, great. So I wanted just to, just a couple more questions, and uh, maybe uh, I always ask different people I've interviewed, um, talking about a little bit about your your past and some influential people or books. Uh, growing up that uh, influenced you towards uh, writing? Hmm. Um, well, I have to mention my English teacher, Mr. McLaughlin, uh, who just had a very playful approach to, to reading and writing and, um, and, and the ways of teaching us punctuation and grammar where he would, he would create these characters and they had ridiculous names and they did silly things um, and he was a character himself. He was, he always wore giant slippers and loud ties and <laughs> dragged a big leather lazy boy into the classroom and would, would sit there holding court. Uh, really? <laughs> he was, yeah. I don't think he's teaching anymore, but I've, I've run into him in the past and, and thanked him for, for that because it was not a dusty kind of, uh, yeah you know, look at literature. It was, it was a living thing that you were creating. And yeah, so he made it a lot of fun. But uh, other than that, um, I mean, there have been so many authors over the years. Um, of course, Donna Morrissey has been one and Carol Bruneau. Um, and, you know, I've, I read a lot of escapist fiction too. I love sci-fi and fantasy. I don't oh, have yeah? particular authors in mind, but uh, I've always got a novel on the go, <clears throat> excuse me, a novel that I'm reading to kind of, you know, go away in my head. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, I think it's always been really therapeutic for me and for my own writing, it's been journaling has really helped me through some, some okay. rough thoughts and, and it's helped me record some of the bigger things in my life. So when I've been traveling, I've done a lot of journaling. And some of those have survived and yeah. others, unfortunately, have not. Oh. <laughs> but I'll be using some of those journals, I'm sure, as I continue writing. Yeah. Excellent. So you, uh, you mentioned Donna Morrissey there. Have you read her memoir? I have. Pluck? Yeah. I really enjoyed Pluck. I don't know if you've read it yet. Have you? Or? I haven't read it, but I've just mm -hmm. received a re uh, contributed review of it uh, from someone who uh, knows her. Um, or, yeah, who knows her? Uh, someone from New, uh, writer from Newfoundland, Carolyn R. Parsons. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, she she was just telling me how great the book was. I said, "Well, would you like to write a review for your reader?" So she said, "Sure." She could whip it right off because she was uh, just finished reading it. So she just submitted it today. So it probably won't be out until uh, next week. Now, but uh, no, I don't. I don't know Donna that well, or I don't. I think I've read one of her books. I can't remember. People ask me, what books are you reading? And I have to, oh, I have like four, I have four in the goal usually. And yeah, you know, like, which one do I want to tell them about? <laughs> yeah, I, I've usually got at least three because I'm reading one for myself. I, I read out loud to my husband. We, we, we're always enjoying a book together. And I'm also reading a book to my son at the same time. So oh, nice. as soon as he was ready, I think at, at about age five or six, I started reading novels to him. And um, we, we've read, I, I've read adult novels to him too. And uh, so, it, yeah, it's, I've always got several stories going in my head, plus the one that I'm trying to write. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> it's a little overload sometimes. Yeah. yeah remembering yeah. both the title and the author's name can be a bit tricky, can't it? Right. Yeah. Right. And then I have a hard time remembering if I've read a book and, you know, yes. I probably have, but don't ask me to tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I signed on to Goodreads initially was to try and have a record somewhere of what I have read. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then I forgot to keep up with it. So it's yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the way it is with most people. Uh, you know, uh, you, you want to keep track of it, but after a while, you lose track of keeping track and you just <laughs> give up on it. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Nicola, for spending time with uh, me today and for the TMR podcast. Um, thank you for having me. It's really delightful to have a, a writing podcast, a book podcast to listen to, because as, as I mentioned to you when you asked, I'm, I love this sort of thing. I'm always out walking and listening to podcasts. So I've oh, added yeah? to my list. And, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Um, I was on a, a discussion panel yesterday about podcasting and um, I was invited to it. And uh, some interesting things like um, basically, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but just, you know, um, just do your thing. People will pick up on it and, you know, hopefully they'll enjoy it and you know no, no one's in it for the money but yeah um like i said i'm kind of a go between between the publisher and the authors and if i can uh, get their book out there or let people make people more aware of it of their books uh, that's great that's my job and we're all thankful to you as, as from all of the authors at this end of the country thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> so the new book is decoding.gray out with um, nimbus publishing and it's going to be released in April, May. Uh, March 22nd is the official date. Oh, March 22nd. March 22nd, 2022. Yeah. All right. One month away almost. Yeah. Great. And uh, I recommend it. Highly recommend it for uh, the new, uh, new adult readers on up. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Nicola. It was so great talking to Nicola Davison. Uh, once again, her book, new book, Decoding.Gray from Nimbus, Nimbus Publishing will be out uh, March 22nd. And shortly the review for it will appear here on the Miramichi Reader website. And it is to be written by Ian Colford. So thank you for listening. And once again, if you could just leave some feedback on this uh, podcast and whatever platform you're listening on. It would be greatly appreciated and it helps others find the podcast as well. So my, once again, my name is James Fisher and I thank you so much for listening to the TMR podcast. TMR the Miramichi Reader, Canada's best regarded source for the finest in new literary releases. Visit miramichireader.ca.